groups, our connect groups are taking this a lot deeper and starting to see some things uh, and talk amongst themselves and, and understand things from a, a much uh, a deeper level. Uh, there's still time if you are not a part of a connect group. Uh, I would really encourage you to uh, to check out where our connect groups meet. You can see that on our uh, website uh, as to when they meet. If you don't know that, there's some uh, material out on the foyer uh, on the notice board, I think. Uh, if not, uh, come and see me afterwards, and I can certainly point you towards where to get that information from. You're going to need a pen this morning. There are some blanks that uh, you'll need to fill in, and I've been very, very good to you again this week because you'll find on page three, upside down are the answers to the blanks. So... Uh, if you're a person who reads the last page of a book first, that's where you'll start. Praise God. Father, we just thank you for your goodness here this morning. We thank you that you're here and you're going to speak life into us today. Father, I thank you that every heart would hear, every ear would be opened, every eye would see what it is that you're wanting us to partake of in you this morning. Father, I thank you that today new life will come into life, uh, the lives of your people. Father, I thank you that you'll speak eternal truths that will absolutely revolutionize the way that we view you, that we relate to you, and that we see you. Father, I pray this in Jesus' mighty name today. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, <clears throat> but we're all on a spiritual journey. Uh, we're, with, we're all, to some level, thirsting for something more. We believe that our lives have more than what we're experiencing right now. And uh, in fact, probably uh, a lot of you, and I know I've said this myself at various times, uh, we've said the statement that there's got to be more to life than this. You know, there's just got to be more. I mean, this can't be the best that my life's ever going to be. Well, here's the good news, church. You're right. There's more. There's more. God's got more for your life this morning. See, God's made us some promises, and we've learned as a part of this series that God Always. Everyone say always. God always keeps his promises. God's made four promises, in fact, to us, uh, and that uh, all the other promises of the Bible flow out of or they're centered around. And, and that's what we're really studying as a part of this series on the four cups. These promises God made to us can only be fulfilled through one person, and that person is Jesus. So we understand that that's what uh, the fulfillment of those looks like. Here's the, the four core promises that God has made to us from his word. And they're found in Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 to 7. It says, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you'll know I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. See, God's got a plan for us. I don't know whether you understand that, whether you realize that, whether you knew that this morning, but God's got a plan for your life. And we can see that, that it's written in a number of different places, but it's real specific in Jeremiah 29, 11, where it says, I know what I'm doing. This is God talking, he says, and I have planned it all out, plans to take care of you. Don't you love that? God's got plans to take care of us this morning. He says, I'm not going to abandon you. He says, you uh, plans to give you the future that you hope for. 
The thing that you have in your mind, the way that you want to live life, the way that, that uh, you, know, you, you believe that there is more for life, in life for you, that's the future that God has got planned for us. There's a, 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 an area where our lives just explode and come into such fruitfulness and such a, a life of fulfillment. See, God, God's plan for us is one of salvation. You need to write these four words into your notes this morning. First word is salvation. God's got a plan of salvation for us. It's where he, uh, he wants us saved. He wants to save us. Sometimes, you know, if we think about it in terms of this story out of Exodus where God's people are held captive in, in, in Egypt, it's where we are gotten out of Egypt. The Israelites were taken out of Egypt. God got them out of Egypt. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to come out of that place of, of being a slave. And secondly, he says, I want you to have a life of freedom. God wants us to live a life of freedom. That's where we get Egypt out of us. So, you know, we've been living maybe in, in a life of bondage and slavery for so long. Sometimes we have these ingrained thoughts, these ingrained life patterns in our lives that are working against us. And God said, I want to deal with that. And in fact, I've got a promise for you. He says, I'm going to free you. I'm going to deliver you from those things. You know, just, I know it's a long weekend. Okay. I know that, you know, a lot of you have got like chocolate-hitis today I just made that word up you'd never believe that would you okay Okay. I've eaten that much chocolate this weekend I was going to go for a run this morning but I was frightened I'd drown in sweat from just chocolate you know just wasn't a good look but there you go just I just throw it off start to lean forward because I believe that God wants to speak words of life into your heart this morning okay there's going to be things that you're going to hear this morning that are going to excite you They are going to cause a quiver in your liver. God is going to make you like a bit of jelly on a plate. Weeble, wobble, weeble, wobble, weeble, wobble, okay? So we need to understand. I just want to encourage you to lean in this morning, okay? Third word we're going to look for is restoration. We know we've gotten out of Egypt and Egypt has gotten out of us. Then we need to understand, why am I here? Why have I come out of Egypt? Why has Egypt been taken out of me? Well, God wants us to live a life where we, are at, we have a purpose and we're in line with that purpose. We're living for our purpose. We discover what that purpose is. And that's what God wants. For. He's going to restore us back to the original intention for our lives. God's original intention for us. Then the fourth word we need to understand is God wants us to live a life of fulfillment. Does anyone want to live a life of fulfillment this morning? About a quarter of you. So, you know, I just really encourage you this morning. God wants us to live a life of fulfillment. And living a life of fulfillment is where we no longer live for ourselves, but we help others to discover God's salvation. We help others to discover God's life of freedom. We help others to discover God's restorative power where he releases them into the call of the God upon their lives. That's what we're called to do, to help others find freedom. And when we start to join together with a group of other people of a like a like heart, a like spirit, there's nothing that we couldn't do as the people of God to start to, to live this life of fulfillment that God wants us to live. Amen? Cool. So today, and for the next three messages that I will bring, we are going to look at each of these four cups that we are on the journey of discovering what they look like. So the first cup that we're going to be looking at this morning is the cup of sanctification. The cup of of sanctification, the cup of sanctification, the cup of salvation. Simply, 
put, this word means to separate us from something to God for some purpose in our lives. God's promised to bring us out, to separate us from the life of bondage and slavery to himself. God's greatest desire is to separate us from a life of bondage and slavery. He wants us to come out of Egypt. He wants us to come out of the world's system, the world's values, and come into the the way that he has constructed his kingdom and and the way that he operates so that he can bring us into those areas where we're going to suddenly find things totally different on the outside. It's his first promise. It's the first step that we take to save us. We see in Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 to 7, it says, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out. I love that about God. We don't have to fight our way out. We don't have to claw, connive, manipulate or or do things to get ourselves out. God's already got it under control and he says, I'm going to bring you out. I love that about what God does. He's the one that uh, rolls away the stone. These kids, like Mary Magdalene and, and, and the other people I read about before uh, during the service, you know, they go to the, the, the tomb and they're saying, how are we going to roll this massive stone away? Well, God's got it under control. He's already rolled the stone away. See, God's going to take us out. God, I will take you out. I will bring you out of Egypt from under the yoke of the Egyptians. See, that's where all of us have begun, to, uh, without any shadow of a doubt. If we're born again today, God's brought us out. This is salvation that we're talking about, the cup of sanctification. We've all, to one level or another, been in a life of bondage and slavery. See, the, goal, the devil's goal is to keep us in bondage and in slavery. See, when we start to understand the story uh, about the Israelites and how they found themselves in Egypt, we, we find out that, you know, in the initial stages, it wasn't like that they were in bondage and slavery. They were actually there because there was a drought on and there was grain available because God had got a plan to actually provide grain for the Israelites through Joseph. And you read the story of Joseph. So, you know, we, we find that, uh, that God's got this plan that uh, the Israelites are, are enjoying the, the grain in the land of Egypt. They've come to Egypt to get this grain and, uh, and they've started to multiply. It's a great land. They're starting to really go for it and, and, and in- increase and, and be prosperous and, and that whole deal. And then Pharaoh dies. And fear comes into the next Pharaoh's heart and he sees how strong and and how good and prosperous and and blessed the people of Israel are. So he puts them under subjugation and he starts to dominate them and he starts to put them into slavery and into bondage. And that's how the people of Israel came to be in Egypt and started to to find themselves in this, this whole area of bondage and slavery. And it's no different for us today. That's the devil's plan for our lives is to bring us into bondage and to slavery and to keep us there. In fact, he wants to make things harder for us. And there's three things that we can take from this where we can start to see what the devil's trying to do in our lives today, just like he did in the days that the Israelites were in Egypt and under the bondage and slavery of the Egyptian Pharaoh and the people of Egypt at that time. So the first thing that they do, they forced uh, uh, as slaves to make bricks. If you read the story in Exodus, you'll find that that's what they were forced to do. We were uh, in Egypt uh, in 2013 and we're going through and we were led through by a tour guide and they were talking about how the pyramids were made and uh, that the pyramids were made not by slaves but by people who wanted to build them. 
If you believe that, I've got a bridge in Sydney that I can sell you. But it's not true. The slaves, they were used slaves to build all of the pyramids and things like that. We see the evidence of slavery today. They were forced to make these bricks. So what happens is we feel enslaved. So you need to write in your notes this morning. We feel enslaved. That's the word that's missing there. Slavery means that we're submitted to a dominating influence in our lives. John 8 verses 34 to 35. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I will tell you most solemnly, anyone who chooses a life of sin is trapped in a dead end life and is, in fact, a slave. A slave is a transient who can't come and go at will. We've probably said it this way. We've probably said it like this. We've said, I feel trapped. We feel trapped by debt, by relationships that we're in. The expectations of others. I I don't know how to break free of the expectations, how I should be, how I should live my life according to what someone else. I feel trapped in that way. I feel enslaved to it almost. We feel trapped by guilt, by fear, anger, bitterness, by our schedule, by our habits. We feel trapped by slavery to sin and we end up living a life in bondage to our sin and letting it have mastery over our lives. And we say these things, I don't think I'm ever going to be free of this thing. And whatever that thing is for you, we feel enslaved. We can see that there's a similarity between how the Israelites were feeling in the day when they were under bondage to the Egyptians. And today it's no different for us. The devil is still doing the same thing, bringing people into enslavement. The second thing that we see in this is that Pharaoh gave the order to murder babies. Throughout history, the devil has always tried to kill children, to destroy potential in people's lives. It represents what the devil's trying to do to us today, to destroy our potential. We understand that at the time that Pharaoh was there, that he, he gave the order to kill all the, the, uh, the young boys so that the Messiah or the Savior of the uh, Israelites couldn't, be, uh, couldn't grow up and, and do what needed to be done. We see the same thing with Jesus in his time. Where the government of the day have given the order to kill all the one and two year old children in the land so that the Messiah couldn't be raised up. Today we see so many ways, even with the the Jewish Holocaust. They they didn't spare the children. Jane and I were profoundly moved when we went to to Israel. And uh, we went into a, a special memorial that's been constructed. To, to, to remember all of the children that were lost during the Holocaust. One and a half million children. And you walk into this particular memorial. And there's just one single light illuminated in that memorial. But because of the way that they've constructed it with, with mirrors and, 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 and different things like that, reflective service surfaces, this one mirror, this one light, sorry, this one light reflects all around the room. So you see so many different lights. And 24 hours, seven days a week, 365 days of the year, 
the names of the children are spoken out so that we don't forget. The devil wants to destroy our potential. Our children's ministry is not a babysitting service. We are raising up and calling out potential in our children this morning. Over our young people, we're calling out your potential. We're calling out the destiny that God wants over your life. This morning, we need to understand that the devil wants to, to keep us from ever reaching our potential. Pharaoh stole their future by drowning babies, keeping them from their potential. Some of us feel that way. And we've asked, why do I feel so unsatisfied? In other words, we feel empty. There's no potential. There's no, no future that I could have that's, that I need to live out. So you need to write the word in your notes. We feel empty. No purpose, no hope for moving forward. And on the inside, we're secretly dying. And the greatest tragedy in life isn't death. It's actually living without knowing our purpose and not realizing the potential and the power of our future that God wants to bring out of your life and my life this morning. Third thing is that the Pharaoh got the Israelites to do was to collect their own straw. For a period there, Pharaoh had organized that these guys would make these bricks, the Israelites would make all these bricks and they'd shape them and stuff like that. But then he thought, you know what? I think it's time that they got their own straw. So he, he uh, you know, that during the entire daylight hours or even longer, the Israelites are making these bricks. But then he says, you've got to collect your own straw. No longer will I provide the straw for you to make the bricks. And I expect the same amount of bricks to you to make, including the way that you need to, to, to create your own straw or make your own straw, collect your own straw so that you can put it into the bricks. Slavery wasn't enough for Pharaoh. He made them get up earlier and get that straw. He added uh, stuff to their workload. He, he got extra work. And so we find the Israelites are overloaded. And we've all heard people say uh, so many times, I'm tired all the time. I can't keep up the pace. I'm overloaded. I'm stressed out. I'm stretched to the limit. My patience level is low and I get angry easily. I've said this, you know, sometimes I feel like my, I've got a, a short fuse. It's not going to take much for someone to tick me off or say, say the wrong thing. I feel like, you know, it's just like Mount Vesuvius has just erupted. and I've, I've had a, a, like a, a one and a half short second fuse that's just ignited that, that thing off. We've, we've all been there to some level or some degree. See, burnout doesn't come from how much we do. Burnout comes from doing things that have no purpose, no meaning and no value in our lives. So we feel exhausted. You need to write that in your notes this morning. We feel exhausted. And you may be here today. You're a little tired. You're a little worn out. Maybe you're on the edge. And you feel like giving up. In the preparation of this message, I want you to know that I've been praying for you specifically. I want you to know that God put you on my heart this morning. It's our enemy. Our enemy is at work in our lives, church. He's trying to put us into bondage, to enslave us, so we feel empty and we feel exhausted. 
If we feel like we're in that condition today, then you're in the right place. Because this is your moment. This is your time. This is your day to come out of those things. Because God said, I will bring you out this morning. I will bring you out this morning. I don't believe you're here by accident. I don't believe that God uh, uh, just lets things like, fly idly by. I believe that God's design was for you to be here this morning. And that's what Easter's all about. It's what Easter is all about, church. It's about coming out. Hello. Come on. So that's why Jesus came and he conquered hell and death so that we could be free from hell and from death. In John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal, to kill and to destroy. And Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. See, God wants us to come to this life of fulfillment. But there's a process that's got to happen in the lead up to that. We might get glimpses of a life of fulfillment. We might get tastes of it. But God wants us to actually live that 24 hours, 7 days a week so that we live a life of fulfillment. But there's some stuff that's got to happen first. And the first thing that we need to do is to drink from the cup of sanctification this morning. The drink, the cup of, of, of salvation this morning. Amen? So God came to give us our life back. And you might ask, what on earth has that got to do with this Easter? What, is, what has this got to do with Easter at all? And this is what Easter is all about, church. That's, that's the simple fact of the matter. Have a listen to this. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in and moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. The fact that God did this with Jesus is proof that he's going to do it for you and for me this morning. He goes on, he says, when God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ's. Come on down. Come on down, I'm talking. The Passion Translation says it this way. Yes, God raised Jesus to life. And since God's spirit of resurrection, did you catch that? What's this got to do with Easter? It's got everything to do with Easter, church. He says, and since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, he'll also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes life into you. Ooh. Here's the, here's the thing. We're not, just a, we're not supposed to celebrate Easter. Okay? We're supposed to experience it. Come on. This isn't just about celebrating Easter and having an Easter egg and a, and a hot cross bun and, and, uh, and, and doing We're supposed to experience resurrection life that Christ has made available to us by His Spirit. We're supposed to experience Easter. 
Don't get me fired up. I'll start preaching. The resurrection of Jesus gives us the power to close the gap between the life we are living and the life that we could live. Oh, you missed that. I'll say that again. The resurrection of Jesus gives us the power to close the gap between the life we are living to the life that we could live. In other words, we're going to shorten this baby up and we're going to live for God like you wouldn't believe. In a way that honors him, that glorifies him, that does things that are just amazing in our world. Because the spirit of, of the, the resurrection God, you know, is just going to come into us and take us on this journey. God gives us this power to be delivered uh, from being enslaved and being empty and being exhausted. That's what Easter's all about. Amen. The resurrection of Jesus gives us our life back. 1 Peter 1 verses 3 to 4 says... What a God we have. I love the Bible. Man, he said, what a God we have. He's saying, I'm gobsmacked. I'm just like, you know, have you, can you believe the God that we have? Can you believe, can you imagine like this God that we have? He is so good. He is so great. This God that we, this God, what a God we have, he says. And how fortunate we are to have him. Oh, He says, this father of our master Jesus, because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for. You need to turn to the person next to you and say, I've got everything to live for this morning. We've got everything to live for, church. Everything to live for, including, it says, a future in heaven. And the future starts now. Oh, church, this this is what God wants us. We have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. So in other words, the things that God wants us to do, the life of fulfillment that God wants us to live is not just being saved for heaven. God wants us to experience this right now, right today. We've got to start to understand that this is the God. It's just amazing. What a God we have. What a God we have. He's not dead. He's alive. He's risen this morning. Jesus came alive so that we can come alive. Jesus was resurrected so that we can be resurrected. It's time to come out of the tomb, church. God says, I'm going to bring you out from a life of slavery and bondage. God's going to bring us out. That's his whole purpose. It's his first cup. He says, I'm before anything else, I want you out of that place. The cup of sanctification. If any of this resonates with you this morning, then you need to know that there is a promise from God for you. And it's simply Exodus chapter 6, verse 6. And he says, I'm going to bring you out. You need to turn to the person next to you and say, I'm coming out of this. I'm coming out of sickness. I'm coming out of lack. I'm coming out of limitation. I'm coming out of depression. I'm coming out of of, of whatever it is that you need to come out of this morning. My brain's not catching up with my mouth. Or is it the other way around? I can't tell what it is. It's just like I need a new energizer battery happening with the jaw. Praise God. Can you understand that? You need to come out of this. We're coming out. We're coming out. God's bringing us out. We don't have to do this on our own. 
It's just like Teresa said with the, uh, the communion message. I love that. You know, we're not on our own. God's got His Spirit in us. It's creating just this, this, this life that's in us that, you know what, we're going to lay hands on the sick and the sick can't help but be recovered. They might not want to be recovering, but you know what? They've got no chance to, to say no because God says yes. God's power has set so many people free. He set me free. And he set you free this morning. God's brought us out. He's, he's freed people from sickness, from death, from lack and from poverty. And I want to build a confidence, a faith in you this morning. That you can be free because God will bring you out. Many of you, God has already been dealing with you about this. So before we close this morning, I'm ahead of time. I've got some... Uh, man, I've been speeding. Praise God. I hope there's no, no spiritual police behind me. That's good. So before we, we come out. Before we come out of this, before we finish up, I want to ask us two questions. Let's answer two questions. Sometimes we're, we're in Egypt and you say to yourself, we're in this life of bondage and slavery. And we ask ourselves, how did I get here? How did, how did I end up in this place? What am I doing here? We question ourselves. We ask this question of ourselves. How did I get here? I don't believe it's been deliberate. Sometimes we just drifted through life. It's like, you know, you have a, uh, maybe a sheep that's just feeding. And it's got its, heads its head down and it's just drifted off. Sometimes that's how life is. We just drift. And we find that we're not a bad person necessarily. But we just find ourselves that we've drifted off. And when we look up, we find... We're lost. We're in an area of slavery. We, we come into bondage, something that we didn't really intend to. We got busy. We didn't mean to drift away. We just did. That's what happens in our lives. We're going to church regularly. Maybe I was working all sorts of shifts. This is what happened to me. Going to church regularly, working shift work. We had two church services happening in the church that we were attending at the time. And then they stopped one evening service, like the evening service, so there's just the Sunday morning. So then I found that I was only able to make it to church maybe once out of a month sometimes. And then because, you know, it's shift work, you've had a long week, you've had a hard week. You know what, I'll just, I'll just skip church this, this Sunday. I'll, I won't bother going along. Before we found out, like, like, before we realized what was happening in our lives, we'd backslidden. We weren't going to church anymore. We drifted. It was, that, it was that easy. It was that easy. A simple decision just to have a lay-in. Have a Sunday morning off. That's all it took. But when you do that consistently, all of a sudden you find yourself just doing stuff the way the world does it. Maybe someone le leads us away. A relationship took us away from God instead of to God. Maybe you had a bad experience with a church or a leader or a pastor. Don't put pastors up on pedestals. Okay? Don't put me up on a pedestal. Okay, you want to put anyone on a pedestal, put Jesus on a pedestal, not me. 
I'm just like you. I pull my pants on the same way. Trust me. I don't leap into them like two, I don't, you know, like, and then just do a big high jump in both legs at the same time. That'd be really funny if you could do that, wouldn't it? Hey. <laughs> See, we've drifted already. <laughs> How easy was that? Maybe we had a bad experience with another person in the church or a family in the church, and you get so angry at God, you walk away, you drift. Maybe if you, some of you made a bad choice and you just found yourself far from God. Now life feels like you're enslaved, feels like you're empty, and you're exhausted. You're miserable. That's what happened to God's people. They ended up in Egypt. They drifted in. They were betrayed, sure. They made some bad choices, sure. But they never thought that they would turn out how it did. And that's how they got there. And that's how we often get where we are as well. We just drift through life. We found ourselves in Egypt figuratively, in a life of bondage and slavery. So the second question we need to answer this morning is this. How do we get out? How do we get out this morning? How do we get out of Egypt this morning? How do we get out of a life of bondage? How do we drink from the first cup of sanctification this morning? Well, we've got to decide if we want what God's offering. Do you want what God's offering? What's God offering? He's offering us four promises. Save us, to free us, to restore us, to fulfill us. Do you want what God's offering this morning? You don't have to have what God's offering. For you, it may be that you just want to continue living how you are, enslaved, empty, and exhausted. I don't know why you'd choose to do that, but it's your choice. You can do that. But if we want what God's offering this morning, it's the first thing we need to do is to make the move. We've got to make a move. We've got to stop going our way and go God's way. We've got to stop living our way and let us follow God's way. There's a word for that. And in a lot of Christian circles, it's a, got a bad rep as a word because people have failed to misunderstand the strength and the beauty of the word. And it's simply the word repent. We need to repent, church. And repentance is simply changing direction. It's as simple as that. Once I was going this way, I repented of it, which means I've stopped going that way, and I'm going to go this way. Oh my goodness, that was hard. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. Because what Egypt is offering looks so enticing. Oh, I feel so good when I do that. I feel liberated. I feel loved. I feel... It's nothing to compare what Jesus can give us. We need to repent. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 to 18 says, Therefore, come out. 
from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. We can't be in both places at the same time. It's time to move. It's time to change direction in our lives. That's what it means to repent, to change the way that we're going, to change the things that we're doing, to go and live God's way. It's time to make the move and to change our direction in life. The second thing we need to do is to let it go. Is to let it go. Many of us want to live for God, but we won't let go of something that in essence is destructive to our lives. We think that we can go and live God's way and, and do things God's way, but while still hanging on to something that in essence is going to hurt us and to, 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 to stop us from living out God's best. As a police officer, I was on patrol. And we got a call to go to this, this house. The ambulance officers had arrived at this house and uh, they'd looked in through the front lounge room window and they'd seen that there was this particular man inside. We found out the story afterwards that he was a, an RAF pilot. His, uh, he'd just f- failed his physical, so he was no longer able to fly. His wife had decided to leave him. So what he decided to do was to grab his firearm and to end his life. And even that didn't end well for him because he failed to do that. What he did was to shoot himself in the head and the bullet went in between the skull here and the skin and exited out into uh, the top of his head. I mean, he just had a, uh, like a, called a flesh wound. But that's when the ambulance officers have seen him. They've seen him inside his lounge room. He's got a little bit of blood from his head. And he, but he's, he's talking fine and stuff like that. And he's bouncing this, this rifle up and down on his, on his lap. So he, the, the ambulance officers call the police. We go there. We arrive at the place. And uh, we uh, set up a cordon around the place. And I'm standing by the pillar, front pillar uh, by the carport. And we're, we're talking to the guy. And he comes to the front door. And he's holding his rifle down. I'm going to tell you right now, he needed to let go of that rifle so that we could help him. And that's the same thing for us, church. Sometimes we need to let go of what we got before we can get the help that we need. We talked him out, we got him out safely, and we were able to, to help, uh, help him get the help that he needed. I don't know what happened to him afterwards, but we got him the help that he needed at that time. And that's what we've got to do, church, sometimes. We've got to let go of what's in our hands. And the Bible says it this way, there's a word for it. It's called surrender. We need to surrender what's in our hands. Mark 8, verse 34 to 35 says, Calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. Like Teresa said, has to let him operate the rudder. You're not in the driver's seat, it says. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way. It's my way to saving yourself, your true self. If living and doing things your way has brought you to this place you're now in, then maybe it's time to let go and to let God have your life, to surrender your life to God. Egypt's not that good. Third thing we need to do is to commit our life. This is how we get out of Egypt. We need to commit our life. It's not enough just to come out, but we must pursue something else or someone else. 
We started this morning talking about being a slave, a forced slave. Now we're talking about being a slave by choice. Now we become a slave for God, living for Him. We choose to give our lives, to commit our lives to God. It's, it's, you don't have to do this. We get to do this. Because we suddenly realize that He's bringing me out. There is so much on the table that He wants us to, to eat of and to drink of. There's so much in God that He wants to do in our lives. All I've got to do is to change direction of my life, to let go of what's in my hand, and to commit my life to Him. It's that easy. Romans 6.19 says, I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer your life, yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. It's time that we committed our life to Him. God wants a relationship with us. So this is the word that we need. Relationship. This is what we need. Relationship. He offers us the cup, cup of sanctification to separate us from slavery and bondage to Himself so that we can come to Him. To make the break. Make the break, church. Go all in this morning. Set yourself in motion to drink from the other three cups that are on the table for us. The other three promises that are still yet to be outworked in our lives. Can I have everyone stand this morning? Please. <clears throat> this morning I want to give an invitation. This invitation is repeated on the inside cover of your notes. Because I wanted people to go away and think about this and so that you can look over this and, and read it for yourself. But I'm going to ask that for the next five minutes, that no one moves around, no one else distracts anybody else. This is really important this morning. You don't know how you found yourself in Egypt, figuratively. You don't know how you found yourself in bondage and slavery. But you know that you're lost, maybe that you've drifted away. For you, it's about salvation this morning. Not to celebrate Easter, but to experience Easter. I want to pray for you this morning. So I'm going to pray for you right now. Just bow your heads and close your eyes, church. Father, there are many people here today who, in one way or another, are dying. And only you can give them life again. I thank you today that you bring us out from the bondage of slavery and that you save us. That you provide a means that we can drink of the cup of sanctification this morning. So today I pray that you will move in their life in a powerful way so that they can know you personally and experience real life. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says this, church. And if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it's by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. This morning, if you 
want to drink from the cup of sanctification, the cup of salvation. Maybe you've never done that before. Or you found yourself in an area of bondage and slavery once more. Maybe you'd like to pray something like this. Dear God, it's time for a change. I need a real relationship with you. Today I open my life to knowing you. Forgive me for living my life my way. Today I invite Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Jesus, I want to know you. I put my faith in you. Give me the power to change. In your name I pray. Amen. I believe that if you've prayed that for the first time, you got born again. I believe if you were to go home in the privacy of your home and to pray that prayer between you and God, that you'll be born again. I believe that God is moving in our midst. There has never been a greater hunger to see people saved in my life than right now. I believe that there are people in our community that desperately need Jesus. They are living in a life of bondage and slavery. But they don't have to because we have the answer and we can point them towards Jesus. This week, don't remain silent. Don't remain silent. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time this morning, I want to give you some next steps to help you in your journey with living for God. First thing, get, get water baptized. Go through the waters of baptism. It's an amazing experience. Just symbolizing the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ through the waters. We, 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 we identify with that for ourselves and go through the waters of baptism and we come up out brand new people. Consider getting water baptized. Next thing you need to do, join a good church, a God-centered, Bible-believing, Spirit-filled church. It doesn't have to be this one. But whichever one you choose to join, make sure it's God-centered, Bible-believing, and Spirit-filled. And the third thing is really easy too. Join a small group. Become part of a small group where you can journey through life with other people that are going to support you, help you, protect you, believe the best for you, and be there for you when you need it. I hope that this morning's message has really helped some people. And I want to say to you this morning that if, if you want some more prayer, you know, we've had a time of prayer, but that doesn't mean to say that prayer is off the table uh, for, for the rest of the day. You know what? If you'd like some prayer this morning, come out the front. I'd love to pray with you to pray this stuff through because I believe that God is a resurrection God and that he's made his power and his spirit available for us so that we can live and work towards a life of fulfillment. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Alina.